lesson from the prophecy of Daniel. In those days Daniel prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord our God, who didst bring thy people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and hast made thee a name, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteous acts, let thy anger and thy wrath turn away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy hill. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people have become a byword among all who are around us. Therefore, now, O Lord our God, hearken to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplications. And for thy own sake, O Lord, cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline thy ear and hear. Open thy eyes and behold our desolations, and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee on the ground of our righteousness, but on the ground of thy great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, give heed and act. Delay not for thy own sake, O my God, because thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Continuation of the Holy Gospel according to John. At that time Jesus said to the multitudes of the Jews, I go away and you will seek me and die in your sin. For I am going, you cannot come. Then the, said the Jews, Will he kill himself since he says where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for you will die in your sins, unless you believe that I am he. They said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Even what I have told you from the beginning, I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak thus as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what is pleasing to Him. The saving words of the Gospel. What you don't hear in this translation which is RSV, is when he says, I am he. In the Latin, in the Greek, it says, Ego sum, I am. Which, of course, is prompting in, in the question, who are you? Because that's the name of God is what he was using for himself, I am. And uh, that's what you don't hear in the translation. So you have to go outside these translations. We have to go outside the translations. Um, our prophecy from Daniel today uh, has its, its context. Um, Daniel, this is a section in Daniel, which is... It's just before the chronicle, uh, the, the chronology of the 70 weeks of the years to the Messiah. And Daniel is hearkening to Jeremiah, who talked about the liberation of the people in exile.
But the fact is, is that they are mired in this problem because the people have not, in fact, sought the Lord with their whole heart, which is a precondition. And um, so this is one of the reasons why we have this reading today is because of the era in which these mass formulations were put together that go all the way back to before and around the time of St. Gregory the Great, uh, Pope who died in 604. And that was a time of terrible upheaval in the Italian peninsula. And the war and famine and all sorts of things surrounded Rome. And they basically thought that they were all going to be wiped out. And this is one of the reasons why we have this reading from Daniel. It's echoing down to our time from a time when the Roman church and Roman people were dreadfully afraid of um, invasion and, and war and problems that they couldn't fend off. There was, there was nothing between them and their enemies. And that's one of the reasons why they turned to Gregory uh, as about the only leader that they had to, to lead them. And so he was Pope at a very difficult time and, uh, and, and deserves the epithet, the great, Gregory the Great. That it all, a lot of these mass formularies that we have all through all through Lent go back all those centuries. In the Vedas Ordo, we have these things preserved. In the Vedas Ordo, you know, think about this reading from Daniel applying to the lot of the church in those days and of the city that the right Roman right grew from, and then maybe later in the day, go back and pick this reading up and read it today in light of what's going on in the church today. And um, you might find some interesting things. Today we continue our spiritual pilgrimage, uh, like the ancient Christians, you know, at the time of Gregory and, and later, um, on our spiritual pilgrimage to the Roman station churches. Um, each day during Lent there's a different church assigned. So today, we gather at the Collect Church. Not every station has a Collect, but most of them do. We gather at the Collect Church, which is St. Cosmos and Damien along the edge of the Roman Forum. And singing litanies and, and various prayers, we make our way toward the Colosseum and to the left of the Colosseum, and then around the, 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 the ruins of the, the barracks of the gladiators that were, were there, and then up what what is now what is now called the Via San Giovanni in Laterano that goes up the side of the Celian Hill and an outcropping between the Celian and the Esquiline. And uh, I used to walk this route every single day when I was a, a student at the Lateran University. Then it goes up the hill past Santo, Santi Quattro Coronati and then up to the Lateran Basilica. But on the left side, just before you really get to the slope that goes up the hill, you come to a station church today, which is San Clemente, named after one of the very earliest successors of Peter. Um, it's a fantastic, uh, it's an amazing place. Now, there are many different levels, but you can go down with the digs underneath, all the way down to the, to the streets of Rome, perhaps down to the, the house where the house, the original house church was. And then it's built up in various levels um, above that, and it's one of the most fascinating places to, to visit. 
It has one of the oldest images of the beautiful mosaics in the apse of the, the uh, one of the very first that were in Rome of Christ's uh, suffering and his passion. Uh, the uh, the relics of Ignatius of Antioch are here after he was slain in the in the nearby uh, Colosseum. They brought his remains to this place and they've been preserved there uh, throughout the many many centuries since. So that's this is where we are at San Clemente. And that's our context. And now I'd like to also just you know touch on context because context is so important. I keep going on and on about context, but it's it can can be very important for us to understand uh, what's going on when we look at our gospel passage today from from the eighth chapter of John. What's going on here is that we are just getting to the end of the. The end of the great feast of um, the great feast of light and of the pouring of water, the booths, the feast of booths or tabernacles, which is celebrated in the month of, of Tishri. It's a great joyful celebration and autumn festival. And the Jewish festivals looked in two different directions. They always looked backwards. And they look forwards. They look. This one looks backward to the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, and the living in uh, booths and tents and so forth as the people sojourned in the wilderness for 40 years. And it looks forward to a final har to a final harvest, because it's a harvest festival, and also um, towards uh, the return of the glory cloud. The glory cloud descended on Sinai. The glory cloud had led the people. And then the glory cloud rested on the temple as long as the ark was there. But when they lost the ark, they lost the glory cloud. So they wanted the Shekinah, the glory cloud, to return as a sign of the presence of God to the temple. And, of course, the same glory cloud descended at the time of the Transfiguration, on the Mount of the Transfiguration, which we just have heard about in the last couple of days. So what's going on here? We have a couple of different different ceremonies that are involved with this feast that would go on for several days, about a week, and then there would be an octave, just like we have Easter and then an octave um, day. That's what was going on. And so there were several points here. First of all, there is a ceremony each day at about the time of the Tamid, the Tamid was the daily sacrifice of the lamb and of wine, bread and wine in the temple in the morning and in the evening, day and night, day and night, in and out, uh, for year after year after year, every single day, day in, day out, day in, day out, the Tamid, the, the lamb and the, and the bread and wine were, were, were offered morning and evening. And, but there was also, at this time of this festival, during the, the course of it, there was also another special ceremony of pouring of water. And what would happen is that a priest would go down to a priest would go down to the pool of Siloam with a pitcher, and then he would take water and he would come back at the time when and he would arrive back in the temple when it was time for the wine to be poured. And there were two you know funnel like basins there, one for the wine and one for the water. And the one for the water was very, you know specially used at this time of year. And so then the priests would pour the wine and the water together into this, in, in this pouring ceremony. 
Well, what would happen is they would be singing psalms and so forth, and there was the accompany of instruments. But at this moment, everything would be that he himself, that he himself, anyone who thirsts, come to me and drink. So that's the context in which the Lord says this in the temple. Another aspect of the feast was a feast of, it was also a feast of light, uh, commemorating, of course, the, the, uh, the Shekinah, the cloud of glory. They had enormous, enormous candle stands, candelabra in the, well, not really candelabra, sort of enormous ones in the court of the courtyard of the women. And they were so tall that they that they needed ladders to get to the top, and they held gallons and gallons and gallons of oil. And the wicks that they used for these things were the the linen garments that the priests had wear, worn during the the uh, during their rites. They would save the clothing, the linen garments of the priests, and they would use these and burn them as the wicks for this in these enormous candelabra and they were so huge and the flame was so bright um, especially reflecting off all of the gold that, that was around the temple that um, it could illuminate it illuminated all of the city and at the end of the feast when this was extinguished it's when the Lord stood up and said I am the light of the world so it helps to understand these the the context and it's right in this right in this section the end of chapter 7 and the beginning of chapter 8 and the section where he is right now where they're right now if we look in the context it says that the lord is talking and he's in the treasury uh, the treasury of the temple and the treasury of the temple was where people would come during this feast to make uh, offerings to the poor and this is for example where he saw the the widow put her little coin in the, in the poor box and uh, and spoke about that but the, so he's in the treasury and all the people would come and very generously give and then during the feast it as the feast went on the money would then would be distributed would be distributed to the poor and so this is where the lord is in the treasury uh, when he's when he's talking about him um, being not of this world and and uh, talking about saying that I am and so forth, so this these are these are important little little moments. If we slow down, if we open up we open up our Bibles, we open up our Gospels, and we and we read them slowly, and we start to piece them together together with a, a knowledge of the context. Um, it can enrich our understanding of what, of, of, for example, one of the reasons why they, they were attacking the Lord so ferociously uh, because of the thing, you know, when he, he's standing there and he's saying, we have it in Greek and Latin, but he, of course he would have been speaking Aramaic. When he stands up and says, I am, several times, um, you can start to, start to get, uh, get a feeling of, of, of what it was. Now, the people... Um, the people were very struck by by the Lord. As a matter of fact, they tried to have him arrested, but there was no way that they could have him arrested. And as a matter of fact, there's no there's no move to arrest him when he's saying, "And if anyone thirsts, let him come to me to drink." They were completely awestruck. You know, imagine this. Imagine a scene like that. 
it's, it's quiet and this solemn ceremony is going on. And the Lord stands up and says, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and let him drink. Dominus Ogisum, Oremus. Benedicam Dominum qui tribuit mihi in electum, providemam Dominum in spectum meo semper, codem adexis est mihi, ne comoveare. Grazie, grazie. 